Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Hello and welcome to the Boys in the Band podcast. I'm Richard Gallagher. And I'm Peter Smith. And on this edition of Tides to the Naughties, we speak to Jack and Joey from Rising Stars Honeymoon. How you doing, Rich? You, uh, we enjoyed this one. We recorded it last week, was it? Well, the week before, losing track of time, but how you been? Yeah, yeah, been very well, mate. Yeah, good chat, this one. Um, uh, been enjoying a few few roadies, actually, as well, to, oh. to mention our sponsors. Some, well, you've had a week off, haven't you? So you've been a bit out <laughs> to tuck in midweek. Indeed, indeed, yeah. I was out at a nice burger joint near me last night. They have a roadie on tap, so I very much enjoyed that. Uh, so just a reminder that Signature Brew are sponsoring us at the moment. And you can get 10% off their fantastic range at signaturebrew.co.uk. Uh, just remember to use the uh, code Boys in the Band at checkout to get that 10% off. Perfect for these uh, these autumnal nights drawing in. Um, yeah. And also, if you're uh, looking for some sunshine on these cold, wet, autumn days and nights, we definitely recommend go and listen to this band, Honeymoon, uh, who we spoke to just recently. As Pete says, they've released uh, their single Sweetheart just recently. And their debut album, Same Old Paradise, is due to land at the end of January. Yeah, yeah. Music to lift the winter blues, definitely. Um, of course, we also chat to them, Rich, don't we, about their influences from the 2000s. Mm-hmm. It's the whole idea of Tied to the Naughties. What are the um, connections between current modern bands trying to make their way now and the bands that we loved listening to when we were growing up and how they've inspired those bands. And Joey, well, he's got a great story about sharing a recording studio with Baby Shambles when he was mm-hmm. just a teenager. And you can imagine what that was like and uh, also ended up playing ska punk with mick jones on saxophone was that it yeah crazy story yeah really something <laughs> by surprise that didn't didn't think didn't expect to to hear that thought he might list a few uh, bands that he was into as a kid but yeah to actually have shared a studio with with baby shambles and all that that might entail back in the day but but then to be playing ska punk with mick jones on on saxophone definitely must have been a an early career highlight for him. Yeah, well, thinking about Mick Jones today, Rich, thinking about Pete Doherty today as well, 20 years since Up the Bracket, Libertine's yeah. debut was released. Momentous, momentous day for indie rock and especially Naughty's indie rock. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, an album very close to our hearts, obviously, with the, the name of the podcast, a, a homage to them as well. So, yeah, can't believe it's been 20 years. Yeah, and fitting to get a Baby Shambles reference in as well yeah. for this one. <laughs> Okay, cool. And uh, oh, the other thing we need to shout out about Honeymoon as well, Rich, uh, they've got a, a, a gig at Moff Club in London yeah. on Friday the 3rd of February. They just announced that one special release party for their debut album, which comes out at the end of January. So look out for that on their socials. Go and check that out. But first, have a listen to them talking to us here about their rise, their journey, their work towards that new album and launching that, and also their influences from the 2000s. It's Honeymoon. This week on the Boys and Band podcast, we've got another Tie to the Naughties episode where we're joined by Honeymoon. Welcome along, boys. How's it going? Hey, how's it going? All good, thanks. You all right? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. So that was Jack, and we've also got Joey on the line as well. How's it going, Joey? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Pleasure. Boys, two big announcements this week. Got a new single, Sweetheart, is out, and also news about your first album. Jack, tell us all about it. Yeah, it's just it's been coming for a little while now. Um, and we'd kind of just the last couple of years we've been working on the record um and then it's been 
it's taken a long time to get to the point where we like we can actually announce it and like say this is when it's coming out and and this is what's happening with it so it feels like a big moment to just be like shout it from the rooftops so here we are <laughs> here we are shouting from the rooftops yeah, exactly yeah. same old paradise 31st of january so we have to wait a little bit longer but two years or so in the making i think it is jack what's sort of been the what's been the delay have you been agonizing over the songs or is it just about getting all the songs together what, what's taken that little bit of time to get it well, together yeah i mean it took it took quite a long time to 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 decide what kind of album we wanted to write and like i think uh we did like so like 40 demos or something we had just insane amounts of songs that we that we that we tried out and then we sort of wanted to make sure that it was the best record we could make and then obviously lockdown kind of uh inevitably got in the way and uh threw up a few obstacles in terms of being able to get in a room and play together so we became like masters of whatsapp voice notes and facebook messenger and uh and yeah trying to work remotely on it so that's kind of t- taken it that's why it's taken so long but um hopefully it's worth the wait oh cool so um so what can fans expect what to, can our listeners expect from the, the sound of the album joey i think we we definitely is definitely like diff- lots of different styles on there like we i think we, yeah we did loads of demos and then a lo- even even if we liked some of them we were just like oh um Maybe we've already got one on there that's kind of doing like sounds a bit like that. So let's try and uh, let's try and put something else on. Yeah, so like a wide collection of things, and uh, yeah, I don't know. And there, there's like two kind of power ballads, and then there's like however many other songs that are all, all pretty upbeat and stuff. So I, I, I remember us all having the conversation about like even when because we were writing it in lockdown and stuff we kind of decided not to write about isolation or uh, like you know anything like that because we thought uh, people aren't people aren't going to want to hear hear that the <laughs> other side of this so yeah hopefully like it'll be like a bit of a good time record for a lot of people nice talk about writing it in uh, during the pandemic or putting that music together but it's quite sort of sun-kissed and positive you know if you hear sweetheart it's quite a you say sort of light sort of cheery almost music yeah i mean it could, i think because it was kind of our our escape as well probably thinking back to it, it kind of uh kept us sane and drove us crazy at the same time <laughs> yeah yeah nice dose of indie pop and um and you guys have been at it for, for a good while now looking back at releases sort of first ep back in 2015 and you know seven years on we're, we're heading towards this album so tell us a bit about the the journey of the band and, and how your, your sort of sound has developed over those years yeah it's been it's basically from like 2015 for the first like two two and a bit years it was like a me and zach met at uni zach the guitarist we met at uni and like started making music together um just in our bedrooms and I wouldn't say we like took it massively seriously. We just like enjoyed making music together and like recorded some stuff with, with the old members and, and, you know, and like put out the first few bits and it was like really exciting at that point. And then around 20, I can't remember when you joined Joe, 2017, 2018, I think around then. Is that right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So since then it's sort of like, we kind of started taking a little bit more seriously and putting a little bit more work into it. Joe was, Joe's like, like, I feel like he was a bit of a catalyst in that, 
in that way. And then um, I don't like having fun, you see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he came came in and said, "It's time to get you know, time to put your head down, time to get your head down, do some work." Um, and so yeah, we just like we did a couple EPs and a few singles here and there, and then it just felt like the natural time. We decided we wanted to do the record like you know six or eight months before lockdown started we were like we the next thing we should do should be an album so sort of started angling towards that so we wanted to kind of took ourselves away anyway and then the opportunity kind of presented itself um it's about to say fortuitously but <laughs> it came around and, and and yeah so that's kind of led us up to 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 the present present day very good so um when you were at uni jack what bands were you listening to so we focus at well me and rich we spent most of our uni days in that middle of that 2000s guitar boom indie boom mm. listening to various bands from that scene what were you listening to back then when you were thinking yeah i want to start start a band well me, me and zach were both were both listening to like a lot of unknown mortal orchestra uh mac demarco big into like tame impala um sort of just like more into sort of more psychedelic music i guess at that point but then also like that kind of dream poppy thing I think I think for me at uni, like that um, that second album, um, Mac DeMarco's, I think it's called Two. That was just like the soundtrack. That and Salad Days were like the soundtrack to 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 uni, at least for me. And so that's probably that and you and you and my orchestra were like the inspiring ones. That was like, oh, I'd like to make some music that sounds a bit like this. Um, but like I say, it wasn't like massively seriously thought out at that point. It was just like. Me and Zach kind of met, and we just thought we both like making music. Let's try and make some music together. It wasn't like, oh, we should try this or try that. There's also a guy called Travis Bretzer, who I kind of feel for in a way because he's from the same part of the world as as Matt DeMarco. I think they're literally like this from the same town in Canada, um, and they both make great music. But he was like, I feel like Travis Bretzer has been like the Milburn. <laughs> Mac DeMarco, Arctic Monkeys. It's the similar sort of thing, as in like one's massively overshadowed the other one. But yeah, I found that there was a, there was an album called River Beats, and um, some of the stuff, other tunes that Travis Spencer put out, and I was like, oh, I could have a bit of that. You know? Nice. What about you, Joey? What got you into music and uh, wanting to be in a band? Uh, when I was a kid, like uh, I've got like an older brother who's a guitarist, and. Um, like when I was like a really young kid, like I was into like chili peppers and like that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then when I was like a teenager and that, I liked uh, like just the Libertines was my favorite band, um, and that was kind of uh, yeah, the thing that made me like because I think I started being in a band when I was like thirteen, and then just kind of slowly like everybody that I've ever been in the band with just kind of stop doing that and then I've just never really sort of grown up like that so um it's I guess yeah it was all like libertine stuff uh baby shambles to love them and um yeah I, I grew up in southwest London so the local bands was like mystery jets and Maccabees and Jamie T and stuff and I used mm. to go to all those like um banquet record banquet record new slang gigs and um see all of those bands when they played and w when I was like 16 I played in a in a punk band and we ended up sharing a studio with Baby Shambles oh, and like wow. we had it we had it in the day and they had it in the night because I had to like leave to go to school um so I couldn't stay that late but 
and so you'd sort of come back the next day and there'd be like the signs of like what oh, <laughs> too much but there'd be like blood paintings on the ceiling and just like all this like wild stuff and but like I, n- I never sort of like hung out with with Pete because he was a bit nocturnal I think but Mick used to knock knock about a lot with us and we played like we played like ska punk and he he kind of like uh, he played saxophone with us for a few gigs and played on mm-hmm. our recordings and stuff. He was really nice, just sort of like I could like thinking back, like we were such kids and that, and but he didn't he didn't like treat us like kids and stuff. So yeah, that was that was a crazy day. What an experience as a kid, yeah. Mick Jones on saxophone yeah. as you were playing some ska rock. Yeah, ska <laughs> punk, brilliant. I've been, been down to New Slang myself a few times. Yeah, Banquet Records, they're yeah, really good scene down there. They they do. Uh, Loads of great in-stores there as well, didn't they? Yeah, and we were just, we were just—it's just lucky, really, because there's not, there wasn't, there isn't like a huge, there wasn't loads going on down there. Like when I was like 15 and stuff, we used to just always go up to like Camden and stuff to go to gigs and that, even though it was quite a long way. But then we just like, it's it's just lucky, really, and like they've done it so much. Like it's mad now that they got like the Who playing at like prison and like Noel Rogers was there the other day and like I think before they used to do it at McCluskey's and like when I was too young they had um uh, Liam Gallagher with BDI he was there but I, I think I, I couldn't get in because I didn't have any ID and um I think even Miles Kane or someone but anyway Paul Weller came that night and a few of my friends had just turned 18 and that just kind of like the idea of Paul Weller being in Cluskies was quite <laughs> funny at the time. <laughs> just my idea of who he was and then just my idea of what McCluskey's was. It was just like <laughs> two worlds that I'd never put together. Yeah. How about you, Joe? Was there much of a scene over in, in your part of the world when you were growing up? Yeah, in Birmingham. <clears throat> I mean, uh, in Birmingham, I was, I was sort of already into, I was already into, Mostly listen to like Northern indie bands and lots of the bands and stuff that you mentioned on the podcast and you guys have just been talking about when I was a kid. Um, I just have a lot of memories of like loading loading the albums onto my iPod, going out with the iPod uh, on my paper round because you could usually get like an a- an album in the length of a paper round pretty much, <laughs> um, and then like certain tunes. <laughs> it was like my understanding of the like the pacing of a record was kind of based on where I was on the on the paper round so like towards the end of the paper round if you if there's like a pick-me-up track that would really hit at the end if there's like a ballad like you were talking peter about being like driving in the car with like with uh with the rain streaming down or whatever if, if it's a bad day on the paper round and you end with like a, a downbeat ballad or whatever it could kind of could take a different turn but but yeah um so i got a lot of memories of listening to those kind of bands on around that time and then when i got a little bit older when i was like 15 16 they're like the b-town scene was was happening in birmingham like um bands like jaws traumaca peace swim deep all those lot mm. so like we were we were big into them they were they were like a couple years older than us so that were like uh, you know when you're at school and you're kind of like looking up at those cool kids in the in the years above or whatever it's just a bit like oh i want, want a bit of that it was all it was kind of like it was almost like a little bit there was like a bit of a rave culture around from at that time but it was like but bands would play at club nights quite a lot. It was like really like like you're talking about with McCluskey's or whatever. It was really really popular thing to have 
you know those bands were like central to that to that scene so yeah they were definitely inspiring at, at that point and i remember when i came to london when i was 19 i like swore but apart from like you know the music i'd grown up on like beatles beach boys all those things that are just like the holy grail or whatever i remember me, meeting people in a in my first year of uni and just being like I, surely you've heard of peace or <laughs> surely surely you know about swim deep and how amazing it is and like looking back it's just kind of funny to think that i was like that obsessed but i was i was proud of where i was from and i, I loved going to gigs and stuff in in birmingham and um, it was nice that a scene came out of it at the same time you know that i was playing in bands around that it felt it felt like a good um, community to be in yeah so i guess the question that we're asking a lot of uh you know, current and rising bands at the moment on these uh, Tied to the Naughties episodes is what's the scene like now when you're out and touring around? What's what's it like being a gigging indie band at the moment? Yeah, I think it's probably I think it's probably a lot different to to what it would have been like for those Naughties Naughties bands. But I think it's nice that then you just like when you meet bands or or like minded people that share some of the same uh, values as, as you. Um, it's nice running into them, but also it's kind of nice not. Sometimes it's nice not being part of a huge scene because it means that like you're more likely to get put on a bill with someone completely different and that kind of opens your world, you know, your eyes up to that to that world and I, I kind of like that side of things as well. So yeah, it's weird. Sometimes you feel like you're kind of included and there's loads of other bands doing a similar thing and then other times you feel like you're kind of on the on the fringes of things. But either way I think I kinda I kinda enjoy it. I just like I just like playing and meeting meeting people. You know. Of course. Have you got plans to get back on out on the road soon? I know you had a good good tour sort of earlier on in the year. Are you pre- presumably going to be having gigs planned to promote a new album. Yeah. So there are some shows coming next year. Um, I'm not sure exactly when this is going out, but uh, they're getting announced soon. Um, yeah. We want to we want to go and uh, spread the word and and, and play shop from rooftops. Like I was saying, we want to go and um, play the record for everyone. Um, so yeah. Keep your eyes peeled on that, I guess. Um, well, next year. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. And what what do we expect from a uh, honeymoon live show, Joey? Um, I think blood, blood, blood stained ceilings, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mick Jones on saxophone. <laughs> um, I think we're good at. Uh, not not taking it all too seriously. I think our first ever tour, we toured with hers, who was like, well probably our favorite bands like uh, like well as a as a band like the, who we listened to the most when we were all together and they kind of um I think we learned a lot from watching their live shows because you know you get to watch it every night and everything and what I always found good about them was like they kind of acted like the goofiest guys in the room and then it kind of like I think it just kind of like put puts everybody at ease then because you know it can be like going to a gig sometimes and you're like oh, i'm enjoying this but i don't want to like nod too much because there's these <laughs> other people around and you know like <laughs> that but if it's like well the people that you've come to see were well, if they're kind of a bit stupid it just kind of puts you like at ease a little bit and stuff so that's i think we, we kind of like learn that that like that kind of performing style from them so now but also yeah we have been women gigging for bloody ages now so we just like i think we can just got to a point where we just play a good show for each other as well like i reckon we could probably like do a pretty killer set if there was like one person in the audience <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't know we kind of just 
have I don't know sometimes we have like little stupid jokes on stage between each other and stuff so we just try and crack each other up sounds like fun sounds like fun yeah, I have to get hopefully. along <laughs> right boys all, all the best with um, with the album and uh, and, and as that upcoming tour that we look forward to uh, hearing about um, and yeah thanks very much for coming on the podcast it's been a pleasure thank thanks you lot, so much for having thank us Another pointless video call where nothing gets done? I think you're on mute, David. Uh, oh, sorry. What did I miss? IT just approved Miro for the whole company. Miro? That's the... Online whiteboard. For team collaboration. We can make these long video meetings so much shorter with Miro boards. We can share ideas, feedback, and updates on them whenever. Actually see what we're talking about? It's all online. Miro will make our flexible work setup so much easier. With one virtual space for our brainstorms, projects, presentations. Oh, that sounds kind of amazing. So I don't need to wake up for 6 a.m. calls with the London office anymore. Now you're getting it. Don't let time zones get in the way of your team working well together. See why 99% of the Fortune 100 trust Miro to get good work done from anywhere. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com.